0: Hey, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in to the Big Honker Podcast. Hunting season's here, so we hope everything's going good. As always, this show is brought to you by Dive Bomb Industries. They're the leader in silhouette manufacturing, Jeff. Well, by God, they sure are.
1: This weekend, we've done a little shoot. While we did an afternoon field hunt. We've hunted two weekends in a row on Saturdays, just the guys, fun hunt, no client, staff only. All we do is throw up a few dive bombs. Last weekend, all we did was use mallards absolutely shot the shit out of the ducks killing gadwalls and wigeons you don't need nothing but them dive bomb silhouettes highly recommend them go get them at divebombindustries.com
0: and we had to walk all of our shit in so uh this past weekend for goose hunting still can't drive in too wet in texas so dive bomb over dive bomb bag over each shoulder start walking to the spot you got 10 dozen right over your shoulder so go to divebombindustries.com today and get what you need
1: and while we were shooting the shell of them ducks, we used one ammo and one ammo only, folks. Boss shot shells. Boss. Don't kid yourself. I had a guy ask me the other day, so said, well, they're a little bit more expensive. He only takes one. It only takes one. You know, instead of shooting three times at everything, you shoot once, you kill a bird in are set. It's better for the game. We're not getting cripples back. The birds are coming in dead. We got birds flying off. It's better for the whole thing. Look up bossshotshells.com.
0: It really is amazing how... Uh they're changing the game. Direct to your door. No more big box stores. You can go to BossShotShells.com today and get what you need. Uh, no, get, no, You don't even have to get out of your fucking underwear. Just get hop online, order what you need. comes right to your door. This show is also brought to you by Sealight LEDs, the official light of the Big Honker Lodge. We're still waiting on getting trailers or lights on our trailers. Save me five
1: hundred dollars every day because that's my deductible. Because I almost hit a freaking deer the other you night. You did, yeah, damn right you I there. did. Saving money. It did. Had had them lights on. Jeff
0: somehow Jeff is the only one that has the the light LEDs on on his pickup. It's because he is the boss. Don't have them on trailers or anywhere else. But by God, Jeff's got them on his truck.
1: Flipped them on the other night. Coming home late. Me and Harry's coming home the other night. Had the lights on. Big old buck. Come out on the road, stop, turn back around. And I, and, and this is the honest to you. If I didn't hit them lights on, I'd have hit his ass. He smoked them. He was looking the other way the whole time. Didn't mm. spin around until I could see his eyes, so he was right there. But I slowed down enough. Awesome set of lights. Folks, get you some C light LEDs. And we got a little promo code for them, don't we?
0: Big Honker 10. You can save yourself 10%. Go to them get the lights like it makes it makes just a world of difference i can't wait for them to get on our trailer Well, we haven't
1: been able to use a trailer yet because
0: we haven't been get them in the got field to put a cattle prod up ed's ass to make sure these get on by uh <laughs> by the time we can start driving in otherwise we're gonna we'll just have to have jeff come out and help us set up since he's got these awesome sea light leds this show is also brought to you by 737 another direct to your door company no more big box stores. You just go right to them. Get what you need. I got
1: the old number one on my lanyard, folks. I put the grunt to them the other day, just a little chatter at them, fall right in there. Promo codes Honker. You can save yourself some money by using that at checkout. Folks, go in there. Go to 737DuckCalls.com. Get you a Nitro if you want to blow at some geese. Zach uses it. All of our videos, YouTube, anything you hear him blowing on it, you hear him doing it. You can sound just, well, you may not sound just like him because he's pretty damn good, but you can, you, you can get there and you can be better than him. But get on the 737duckcalls.com. I use the old number one duck call. He uses the nitro on the geese. Also, this, the Big Honker podcast brought to you by two Texas companies Garrison Brothers Bourbon. Folks, if you want a bourbon, it's the bourbon to get. Don't listen to that old adage that you got to go to Kentucky to get a bourbon. The best bourbon in America is made right here in high Texas in the hill country by Dan Garrison. Garrison Brothers bourbon is the the best shit there is, I'm telling you. If you're going to impress someone, you want to you borrow some money from your banker, send them a bottle of Garrison Brothers. <laughs> That's what you need to do. If you got a gal that she likes bourbon, then I'd send her a bottle of Garrison Brothers too. You know, it's GarrisonBrothers.com. If you're a wine drinker, I personally am a bourbon drinker. Andrew drinks a little bit of wine. I right.
0: Like, I like a nice wine. Go to William and Chris vineyards.com. That's it. Right yep. there. And they got a promo. Honker.
1: Yep, dollar a case. You buy a case of wine, only cost $1 shipping. Love it. And wine's not is not light, I mean, It's I mean it's a heavy ship no. when you get, we got a case of it. It's we're until.
0: we're going to get uh we're going to get Chris from William and Chris on the podcast one day and he'll break it down for you. You're sharing a moment in time. Uh, he 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 says it a little bit more eloquently, but that's basically what it is when you're drinking wine. It is a moment in time when these grapes come off the vine and they crush them. It'll never be the same. So go to williamandchriswines.com dot com. Use a promo code Honker. You can get a dollar a case shipping. Can't beat it. And last but absolutely not least, this show is brought to you by Lucky Duck, luckyduckdecoys.com dot com. Our newest sponsor of the Big Honker Podcast. We they use they work. Oh. I mean shit. We uh, this little fun hunt that we did, we put four lucky duck spinners out and they just they're all over you. Wings are quiet. You don't hear it. you don't have that rattling noise that you get from other companies. Good uh, good pace, good little flicker that you can get from these lucky ducks and like I said, they're quiet. Easy to store. Get the get the bags that you can put everything in that way everything tucks away nice and neat and off to the races you are. Love them.
1: It- with, with remote control. So Ooh. if you're hunting geese like we do, we put a goose spread out a lot of times. We can put them in our spread. Turn the Lucky Ducks off when the geese are working the decoys. The geese are not working the decoys. Turn them back on when the ducks are. Ducks come right to them spinners. So anyways, look up at luckyducks.com. Let them know the people from the Big Honker Podcast sent you.
0: All right. This episode of the podcast, we're joined by Ryan ho Oh,
1: hold, hold, hold on there, big boy. We left somebody else off, too. Oh. We're also sponsored by Stanfield Hunting Outfitters. Stanfield Hunting Outfitters is home of the Big Honker Lodge and Home of the Big Hawker Podcast. Stanfield Hunting Outfitters, got a little special. December 3rd and 4th is a Monday, Tuesday. I had a corporate group have to move some dates around, so I've got an opening December 3rd and 4th. I will do a two-morning goose hunt, lodging meals for $500 a person. Need at least six guys to book a private group. That's December 3rd and 4th. Come in on Sunday night, have dinner that night, wake up, breakfast, goose hunt, lunch, dinner the night before again, spend the night breakfast, goose hunt on the 4th. That's two morning goose hunts, lodging and meals for $500 a person need at least six people don't call and say hey Jeff can we do that in January can we no. do it on no it's on December 3rd and 4th that's the only time and it's the big honker podcast special is what we'll call it December 3rd and 4th I got an opening for a group <clears throat> be 6 to 12 people have a private group anyways holler at us at stanfieldhunting.com
0: it's kind of shitty when you leave out uh your own company that's okay I almost tried to all right, on this episode of the podcast, Jeff and I talk about the Armistice Day tragedy—the day the duck hunters died. A uh, big, massive, massive uh, uh, winter weather system hit the hit the Midwest. It had been an Indian summer; duck hunting had been terrible until this until this storm hit. So, uh, Jeff and I talk about that. We also talk about some things that you can do to uh, prevent yourself from ever being in a in a situation like this. But uh, this is a fun, fun episode. We love the history of our of, of our waterfowling heritage. So, uh, this was a fun one. So, anyway, here it is.
1: One, boom, and welcome to the Big Honker Podcast brought to you by Dive Bomb Industries. I'm Jeff Stanfield. I'm Andy Shaver. Today we're going to touch on a little bit of history with Veterans Day coming, which will be on Monday. This week we're going to, or this show, we're going to discuss the Armistice Day storm of 1940. You know Armistice Day was Veterans Day before there was Veterans Day, correct? I did not know that. Yeah, it was the Veterans Day after World War I. I
0: wonder how they came up with the name Armistice.
1: It's the day that they disarmed... The Germans, I believe, in World War One, and that's what they, they armistice yeah. is the. Won't you look that up so we don't sound like idiots here? Well, but, Jeff, but I'm pretty sure that's what it is. It was called the Armistice Day.
0: Oh, it's called Armistice Day.
1: Uh, I think it was a term used for the end of the war in World War One.
0: Hmm. But
1: I guess we before we dig into this, we need to have a fact straight because we get fact checked on everything we talk about. Though today I said something about duck season or goose season, 107 days and
0: what would they say uh, an yeah. agreement made by opposing sides in a war to stop fighting for a certain time yeah so a truce
1: a truce day is what it basically is you know, um, they told yeah. me it was ninety days ninety days <laughs> yeah, yeah
0: i got I got checked or I, I didn't get fact checked just some jackass uh decided to give me his two cents um on that Instagram post that I made about putting about full bodies being a pain in the ass the store. And, uh, for some reason I, I had a couple follow-ups, but Instagram didn't post them and I didn't feel like re-recording them. So anyway, they that, are hard to store. Fuck yeah, they are. We, Zach and I filled up uh, a whole, a whole grain silo just, just with full bodies yesterday. And, uh, you know, that, that's in my follow-up why it didn't get posted to Instagram. I don't know, but I said, you know, Hey, if you want to run all full bodies and that's what you want to do in 2018 and you got a place to store them, do it. But, you know, don't don't fucking don't just stop if, if you don't agree with me. Just don't even send me a message. <laughs> do you think you'll I've hunt? got shit figured out down here? I'll run things down here. You you just do you. This guy probably still believed in the tooth fairy and Democrats and he pissed me off.
1: So do you think we'll run full bodies next year or this year?
0: I Yes. Uh, and that that's what I was uh, trying to say was, you know, full bodies have a place in the market. I'm not disagreeing with that. And we'll there will probably be a time this year where we'll add full bodies to the mix i'm just simply staying stating that they're hard to transport uh you can only carry about a dozen at a time and when the hunting season's over you got to have a place to store them. and that's you- all i was saying i wasn't saying that they're bad or evil or anything like that or they're gonna snatch the little children up i was just simply stating that it's a pain in the dick to take them off the trailer and into the grain silo, and then back out of the grain silo, and there's just easier way of doing things.
1: Sixty dozen full bodies don't just stack up anywhere.
0: No, they do not. They take up a lot of but sixty dozen dive bombs do. I agree with you on that. So that, that's that's all I was saying. So let's let's please get your panties out of a out of a ruffle. Anytime I post something, I realize that full bodies are still gonna people are still gonna run them. Hell, we'll we'll probably even run them this year. Just get off my ass i've got it figured out (laughs) fuck all right
1: so back to armistice day Day. armistice day was november 11th 1940 and it's easy time to forget that there it's easy to forget and i'm going to read part of this out of some stories that i've collected over the last couple of days but it's the most tragic day in the history of waterfowl hunting in our country
0: the day the duck hunter the day
1: the duck hunters died it's easy to forget that not long ago, there was no Gore-Tex. There was no mm-hmm. Thinsulate, there, no there was no neoprene. There's no polypre- polypropylene. No apps
0: on your iPhone?
1: There was a time when we didn't have outboard motors. And the outboard motors we had aren't the ones like they had today. They were crude, cumbersome beast, unreliable under the best circumstances, and all but useless under the worst conditions. There was a time when there was no cell phones, no emergency beacons, and no flight-for-life helicopters. When something happened, you were you were stuck until someone could get somewhere for some help. So when I talk about this story, I want everybody to put themselves in the mindset of there were, none, everything we take for granted today. Most none of that was evolved there. There was right. no weather satellites. There was no way to do a forecast. A forecast back then was a radio station a hundred miles, hundred and fifty miles or our way would have a north wind hit. And if you lived in Fargo, North Dakota, and there was a, f- a north wind that was in Saskatoon or somewhere between Saskatoon and the and the border, and you could hear their weather station. They said, "Oh, we got a north wind twenty miles an hour." Well, you knew you had a front coming. That was the that was the, the about as much forecasting as there was. I mean, we forget that in December seventh, nineteen forty one, we had this radar in Hawaii that picked up a big mass coming into the deal, but they th- scoffed it off as just, "Oh, it's got to be some kind of, uh, you know, technological." problem or something they didn't realize it was then the japanese invasion force coming in so we damn sure couldn't predict weather things do not change with the passage of time One of the constants is the love of duck hunters are a kind of wet raw blustery thoroughly miserable days that keep normal people indoors with the fireplace crackling and the tea kettle whistling on the stove and just as absence makes a heart grow fonder the longer the duck hunter is made to wait for such a day the hotter burns his pent-up desire to escape the sloughs and bays and marshes and there, decoys artfully set, blind brushed and grass, dog expect, expect- uh, a bouncing dog basically, and quivering, call poised to be pressed to the lips, scan the lowering skies for birds that ride the wind. The fall of 1940 had been a mild one in the upper Midwest, an extended Indian summer of warm temperatures and little rainfall. In other words, the duck hunting had been disappointing. They'd shot a few birds, you know, the local birds, your teal, your widge, and your shovel, or the odd mallard, but without any heavy weather to set the migration in motion, the great flocks of northern ducks were still in the prairie provinces of Canada, fattening up for the long flight south. Hunters throughout the region, from the Dakotas across Wisconsin, Minnesota, down to southern Illinois, were on pins and needles knowing that change in weather they so dearly wanted was overdue. See, duck hunting is just not something now that's, that's popular. Back then, it was a real passion for people. And in that area, they had a lot of waterfowl hunters. And that Mississippi Delta right there, river, whatever you want to call it, but the waters around the Mississippi held tons of ducks. And back then, people duck hunted for food. I mean, it wasn't to go out and put pictures on Instagram and stuff. It was to feed their families.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: On November 10th of 1940, on a Sunday, they got a forecast that held promise. The outlook was for clouds, snow flurries, and colder temperatures. Everybody was excited, and the best thing about it was it was Monday and was Armistice Day, and it was a holiday, <clears throat> and it was a somber holiday. I mean, the De- Great Depression had just ended 18 years before then. They had just got out of World War One. I. I mean, it was fresh on their minds. It's not like today where people take for granted what Veterans Day is about. People then all had some skin in the game. Every family had someone they in their family or someone they knew that had passed away fighting for our freedom in World War One. just about. It was a gruesome, deadly... Deadly war. And so Veterans Day really meant something to those people. And it was a day off, so everybody was going, home, was going hunting. The upper Midwest, upon the hearing of the forecast, was jubilant. They were ready to go. Clothes were carefully laid out. Sandwiches were made. Wrapped in wax paper and refrigerated. Thermos bottles were placed next to coffee percolators. The dog was given an extra bit of food because in a few hours he was going to be one busy retriever. The phone lines hummed as a hunting partner called hunting partner. Their voices crackling in excitement. They knew with as much certainty as they knew anything the ducks would be flying and be aiming smack dab in the middle of them. They got more than they bargained for. The classic blizzard in the Midwest is essentially a phenomenon. A ph- Phenom. Ph- no, that's not the word I'm looking for. They're saying something else. Phenomenon. Phenomenon. That's it, of the open lands, particularly the plains and prairies, where the topography offers little resistance to moving air. The snow blankets, the wind blows, it's chilly, it's miserable. And that's a nutshell of what described the blizzard on the upper Midwest on November of 1911, 1940. The wind was blasting at forty to 45 miles per hour with a gust of 80 mile an hour winds. They had 16 inches of snow in the Twin Cities and they had 26 inches in uh, St. Cloud. In La Crosse, Wisconsin, the barometric pressure dropped to 30 degrees the temperature dropped 30 degrees from above, freezing to single digits in two hours, and continued to plummet from there. Wind chills were virtually off the chart. Now I'm going to read you an actual story that a guy wrote that was there, and then we're going to talk about this in kind of in a layman's terms. I'm just kind of giving everybody a synopsis of what this was like. This was a horrible day. The voice broadcasting of the truck and radio explained with a degree of concern, winter storm watch, falling temperatures throughout the day. Now this is in uh, southern Wisconsin. Wind shifted to the north at 20 to 30 with strong gusts and snow likely. For us, duck season had gotten off to a slow start with very little action after the local birds and early migrators had taken a pounding. October truly was an Indian summer. and November began as one of the mildest on record. This November morning, the temperatures were an almost balmy 50 degrees at 4.30 in the morning with a light wind from the southwest. My son Todd and I headed 60 miles north to Calhoun County, Illinois for a day at our wing. Wild Wing Club. Was the weather guy pulling our leg? Could we really trust him? The trip to the farm club was smooth with light conversation about hunting tactics, decoy placement, and calling. Every 15 minutes, the radio would again mention snow. We welcomed the, other change, the weather change. But the weather, waterfowl hunting and snow is usually a case of feast or famine. Ducks are like people, if it gets too bad, they just dunk down. Regardless of the re- weather, we were ready for the challenge. We had essentials, gun shells, calls, insulated waiters insulated waiters in 1940 are not like insulated waiters today (laughs) camouflaged rain gear rain gear in 1940 ain't nothing like it was today an assortment of snacks we got charcoal dad todd asked as the headlights lit up the gate to the club i'd forgotten the main fuel source for the heat in the blind i doubt that's going to get as cold as predicted i left the bag in the garage i did have a small one burner stove to make coffee the pot coffee and water were inside the blind storage box my doubts about the weather forecast somewhat eased my mind concerning heat. A light rain began to fall as we started down the lane towards the slough. The first light, day of, the, first light of the day revealed what we hoped for. waterfowl on the move. Ducks seemed to be everywhere. Singles, pairs, small bunches, and large flocks. Big ducks, teal and some divers appeared in the cloud-covered heavens, all heading south. We hastily arranged the decoys to our satisfaction. The wind turned due west by shooting time, and a cold rain stung our face as we loaded our shotguns and waited for action. With assortment of a hundred-plus decoys dancing to the tune of our calls, we had our first shots in the morning. small group of green wings with the wind at their tails buzzed the flock at 30 yards. Wow, I hope that's not an indication of our marksmanship, explained Todd, as a small squadron of steel intact, but someone confused headed skyward. We'll do better. A first bunch of decoy and mallards yielded better results. Three drakes tumbled out of the group. At least we didn't get skunked. Most of the ducks ignored our highballs and hail calls as the morning progressed. I can't imagine the duck caller in 1940 was very good either.
0: No, probably not. Probably like the guy that was
1: giving me shit yesterday. Probably the same type of guy. But periodically, birds would drop to the bouncing lookalikes as if it them to join them in the flight southward. At 9 a.m., the rain had turned to sleet. They had turned the little Coleman hand warming and coffee brewing heater on. Todd's ice covered waiters indicate temperatures. The t- empty charcoal heater set frozen in the corner of the blind. By late morning, the hunt had truly become special. The weather, the ducks, father and son locked in their passion of waterfilling. We only need two more for a limit, I said, counting the dead hanging from the stringers. We were indeed part of a great migration, perhaps even witnessing a Grand Passage. The Waterfowl Derm Grand Passage has been credited to internationally known waterfowl biologist Frank Bre- Belrose, founder of the Illinois Natural History. Belrose died in 19... Uh, Shit, I think he, maybe he died sometime or another. Whatever. I read it earlier, so... According to Burroughs, each fall, usually in November, a mass migration of waterfowl occurred. I think we're fixing to see that in the next couple of days here, too.
0: A Grand Passage? Yep.
1: What, watching the storm identify, intensifying, ice forming around the edge of the potholes and snow collecting on November left, 1940. The Armistice Day lives in infamy as the rich history of waterfowl. And a major blizzard caught the upper Midwest totally off guard. The fast-moving storm, storm with hurricane-force winds and blinding saw, snow saw the temperatures drop from 54 degrees to nine degrees by evening. Imagine if possible today. Okay, now that basically is what the storm happened. They went from 54 degrees to nine degrees during the middle of the day. Now we're gonna quit trying to read a story and I'm gonna talk about this now from what a little bit I've read. and I've, I've followed up on this a lot. I'm a big fan of this story. I like weather and this is. In the morning, get up at 4.30 in the morning in 1940. They get in their car. They go to the car. I remember as a kid a car made in the 60s and 70s, and the best part of them was the heater. Right. Air conditioners were non existent. Yeah. And they were ice boxes when you sat in them, some bitches. But they warmed up pretty fast. They had good heaters in them. These guys got in this car, they went on this duck hunt. They had shoddy equipment. The best thing you could buy in 1940, we wouldn't use today. Nothing. These guys got to these blinds, they started hunting. The wind switched from the south to the west to the north, and when it got out of the north, it was blowing 50 to 60 miles an hour. The temperatures went from mid-50s and mid-40s to single digits, by two or three in the afternoon.
0: Mm.
1: Hundreds and probably thousands of duck hunters were trapped on the Great Lakes, the Mississippi River, these lake bottoms. Now, if a duck hunter dies today it makes big news and it happens once a year somebody does something either they have bad luck or they make a bad decision. Yeah. One of the two happens. I mean, something something happens. Well, on this day 70 duck hunters died. They found yeah. guys trapped under boats that would take their boat and they would huddle up under these old wooden boats trying to stay warm mm-hmm. and they froze to death. One whole family died except for a boy and a Labrador retriever, and they found them huddled up to a tree, huddling in each other. And there was a, um, a gentleman named Todd, and I cannot remember Todd's name, but Todd was a mail pilot, and he worked for the U.S. Postal Service. And Todd flew up and down the Mississippi River somewhere around Mason City, Iowa, to the, back to the, to, the, uh, to the east there. And he got up in that airplane and he flew all day, on Tuesday, yeah. at first light. And he would fly down the river, and they had a tugboat. I guess it wouldn't have been Mason City; it wouldn't have been somewhere around Winona, Minnesota, probably. And he was—they had a tugboat there, and he would fly up and down the river, and he would call in, and he would buzz by, and he'd say. Make, make wings at him and stuff, or cut his engines and holler at him, help us on the way, just be there. And he would fly, and he would drop off thermoses of coffee and sandwiches, jump out at the window, start his, the plane up and start flying again. And he would make his rounds, and they got a tugboat, and they would go up there and rescue these people.
0: Bad there dude. was
1: no cell phones or anything. There was 154 deaths on that storm, and most of them were duck hunters. I thought hunters. you said 70. No, there were oh, 70 uh... duck hunters. There was 154 deaths totally there was 20 foot drifts of snow
0: Whew.
1: in college in collegesville wisconsin wherever that is 20 foot drifts of snow can you imagine not even expect anything in 20 foot drifts Mm-mm. people were stranded along the interstate they were stranded in towns they were stranded everywhere but the worst part was all of these duck hunters were stranded out in the storm in, my, in 27 years in the hunting business, I'm 50 years old, and I've been waterfowl hunting basically since I was about eight years old with my dad. Mm-hmm. And I can remember one really bad storm that we got into. And it was a cold front. And I'm going to say it was somewhere around 1991 or 92. Now, we had the bad cold front of 1980 or cold winter of 1983. But this was a fr- an actual front. And we were hunting in a little town called Gillen, and there was a slough there. And we'd put our spread out. And we knew on the weather that there was a big front coming. And sure enough, when the sun came up that morning, it was probably about 55 or 60 degrees still. And you could look to the north, and it was black. And about sun shooting time, what's shooting time right now? 6.30? 6.30. So about 7 o'clock in the morning, the wind stopped, and it switched. And when it switched, it went from... Fifteen mile an hour south wind to no wind, about thirty to forty mile an hour north winds. and by the time we picked up the decoys, which was had to be, and we didn't last an hour and a half out there, and we had the gear for it. The decoys, we had shell decoys, and they started, they, they. Probably ankle deep at the most, anyways. Yeah. But it was solid ice and the decoys were sliding across the ice. We picked up our shit and went home. Mm-hmm. And it went from 55 to probably 28, 27, 28 degrees pretty fast. Mm. But I can't imagine going from 50 degrees to 9 degrees, being on a small boat. And I like old things, but I can't imagine a boat made in 1930s was worth the shit. And they had to oar. That's right. And oaring on that damn water going across the Mississippi River,
0: Mm-mm.
1: which I don't know how deep the Mississippi River is probably thirty forty fifty foot deep in some spots, maybe
0: how wide it is, Yeah,
1: it's wide now, and I've been across the the Mississippi at Winona and it's it's a good sized river I don't know how you know a quarter to a half mile wide it's not like it is in mm-hmm. New Orleans or St. Mm-hmm. Louis, but it's wide, but having to cross that thing with that with that current it's cold now when those guys got out there, some of them luckily, most people smoked back then. So So probably most people had lighters. They burned their decoys Mm -hmm. to survive
0: old wood decoys.
1: One story I read said there was a tree that the guys, there was a group of of duck hunters on an Island and they banded together. It's a pretty good Island. They all got together and they took what shotgun shells they had left. And they started shooting branches off trees so they could burn the wood.
0: Hmm. Cold, cold, cold.
1: A cold, miserable day.
0: <clears throat> I wonder if any of them got good duck hunting in before it hit.
1: The, the duck hunting was phenomenal. That's why most of them got killed out there. They hadn't had a good duck they day stayed. all day. Have you? How many bad? How many good hunts have you left because it was cold? Have you ever had customers ever say when you're burning no. them up, let's go? No. Now on a slow day, they have. Right. But on a good day, they're staying till the bitter end.
0: But I wonder how many hours passed. Duck hunting gets good. Oh fuck! This is dangerous.
1: I don't. I think they they were shooting the shit out of the birds. I don't even know what the limits were. Or if they even had limits back then, twenty five bird limits back then. Those guys were all shooting close to limits. Mm-hmm. They were shooting mallards. It was the first good duck hunt of the year. They didn't want to quit. Yeah. And they they probably did not realize the danger they were in until it was too late. It was probably this is probably the attitude they had. Oh fuck it! It's going to be bad anyways. Let's keep hunting. Right. And it got worse and worse and worse and worse. Whew. Whole families died out there.
0: Yeah, and as a father, that's the last thing you want to do with your kids. Oh. Is get them into a shitty situation that you can't get out of. Yeah. Goddamn, you want to put some sugar in that coffee? Yep, I did. Back then... Put a fucking cup of sugar in there. Back then... Son of a
1: bitch. People had intestinal fortitude. Whoa. More than they've got today. Sure. I mean, and they were hungry, and... Ooh, I put too much sugar in there. Fuck <laughs>
0: okay, you put mm. you put half wow. of the container.
1: Uh, no, nah, I'd dump
0: right. about half of that shit out.
1: I'll just mix that with another cup. So yeah, please.
0: So Yeah, intestinal fortitude was, was one thing. Um but you know, coming out of the coming out of the depression and this is free food,
1: basically. That's right. And and people looked at things different when it come to bonding with their kids but than we do today. Mm-hmm. People love their children just I'm sure as much then as they do now. Right. But we've spoiled our fucking kids rotten. Well, they weren't uh kids are soft now. No, uh they are.
0: That that's I'm not disagreeing that. Parents weren't around like they are today.
1: The but, man worked. The mom was usually home. Right. Very few moms worked.
0: But but not many moms were out hunting. No, 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 not at all. Dad Dad was not around as much back in those days as as fathers are today yes dad was off working dad gets off work tired wants his toddy and he does not want his kids talking
1: just a different world right
0: different world so this was a chance for kids to uh dad's off work dad's taking me hunting this is the day so um yeah it, it, it just totally different totally different animal back then
1: even if you watch the movie A Christmas Story, which is a movie, but it's set at the same time frame as that, just about. I think it's after World War II, though. Uh-huh. But the the actual bonding between the dad and the kids is different than it is today. Sure. Dad
0: reading the newspaper, right? You talk to him a little bit before work, but not too much because he's reading this, his his. This is his time. Yes. Uh, and now it's time to. You finally get dad's attention. No, no distractions. No newspaper. Going hunting with dad. It's going to be a great day, and it turns out to be tragic. A
1: very tragic day for lots and lots and lots of people, but it was the way those people died. Those people died in a horrible, horribly. Yeah, I man. They freeze to death. Can't imagine freezing to death.
0: Not just freeze. You're 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 soaked to the bone. Yes. In uh, flannels and tin cloths and you know subpar gear at best. And there's been some days where it's uh, where I was not prepared. Um, you know, in Texas, uh, when the weatherman calls for precipitation, a lot of times he's wrong. I remember one day. Um, it, I was young. I was probably sixteen, seventeen, and I didn't really think it through. And Zach was on the hunt with me. So if I'm sixteen or seventeen, he's eleven or twelve. And it's just kind of misting, just this misty shit. But it's it's probably 26, 27 degrees. It's a cold day. Cold day, and it's just misting. And we're setting out decoys, and um, instead of putting on our jackets, we just wore our cotton hoodies. No big deal. Not thinking anything of it. Um, and then I'll never forget it. Both of us at the same, about the same time, decoys are about put out, and about the same time we both feel that the, the hoodie had been soaked through. So we're feeling water on our skin and it's like, well, fuck, you know, now we're, we're wet. And, uh, that was a miserable, miserable day. It got nothing, but got colder. It started to sleet. It started to hail and then it all turned to snow. And then by the end of it, you know, once your underlayer is, is compromised, there's, you can't do anything about it. We're going to put a coat over it. You're just going to trap that moisture in. And we were, we, hunting was great, so we we toughed it out, but um, there was an end in sight for us. So I couldn't imagine having that happening and thinking that there's nothing, there's no help. I'm not going to make it back to the truck. I'm not going to make it to dry clothes, and this is how it's going to end for me. Because just that little bit that we were out there was just miserable, absolutely miserable. And no gloves, you know, when your gloves get wet and your hands get cold you're basically paralyzed i know for me when my hands go and they finally have reached their their limit of what they can take can't load your shotgun you can't work a lighter i mean when your hands go it's bad news
1: yeah and and think about the no glove deal i mean your hands and your fingers that's Mm -hmm. the end
0: of it and it seems like you can't get those things warm until you get to the truck, no matter what you do. The worst stinging that you'll ever feel is when those hands go numb. I mean, I just I could not imagine being a father now of two, looking over and and looking at my kids and seeing that and just thinking, "Fuck, we we have made a grave mistake."
1: Gordon McQuarrie, who was a great writer, Nash Buckingham, Gordon McQuarrie, are two great outdoor writers, and I suggest everybody would go and read those. Just read some of their old books and stuff. I think you'd really enjoy them. And he, he tells a story about Gerald Terrace or Tarris was a 17-year-old who'd gone hunting in the Mississippi Bottoms that fateful day with his father, brother, and family friend in their black lab. They set up in mid-morning in a drizzling rain. By noon, they were trapped by six-foot waves Waves that pounded like iron fists and hurled freezing spray that turned instantly into boilerplate ice. So you imagine everything's already got an ice coating on it. Right. The men beat on one another to try to keep warm, but it was a losing battle. At two a.m., the friend uttered one last moan and died in Gerald's arms. Mm. Gerald's brother held out until eleven in the morning, but after twenty-three hours exposure, he too succumbed.
0: How do they know what time he died? They, they, this fix and tale story. Oh, and Shortly
1: after noon, a small plane flew over. Gerald waved, and the pilot signaled the help was on their way. Rescues in the government tugboat Throckmorton arrived at 2.30 in the afternoon. They'd been hunting since the morning before. <sighs> Half an hour too late to save Gerald's father, they found the boy crouched against a stump, holding his dog for warmth, fighting to remain conscious. Mm-hmm. Max Conrad is the pilot who led rescues to Gerald Torres, was one of the true heroes of the Armistice Day Storm. Dozens of hunters would later acknowledge they owed their lives to him. On Tuesday, the 12th of November, with the wind still howling but the skies clear, he took off from his hangar in Winona to help find the hunters who hadn't come home, flying a Piper Cub and fighting to make even 20 to 30 knots of airspeed against the brutal headwinds. He scanned the frozen margins of the Mississippi for the living, but often all he discovered were dead. When he located survivors, they were frequently huddled in the lee of a skiff they'd propped up as a windbreak. Conrad would circle low, cut the engine for a moment, holler, hang on, help is coming. A few minutes later, he'd return, and like mama sent down he'd for a He'd cut milk, his
0: engine? Cut his engines off. He's a ballsy motherfucker. That thing doesn't kick yep. back
1: on. And then buzz by him. <laughs> and he'd drop a canister with sandwiches, whiskey, dry matches, and cigarettes. Yeah. Conrad, well, can you imagine? I, okay, don't, what, s- I don't smoke. <laughs> I don't think that would help me none.
0: I don't smoke, but if I'm in that predicament, <clears throat> I'm definitely drinking the whiskey, and I'm probably going to light up.
1: I've never smoked a cigarette in my life, so cigarettes probably wouldn't do me no good. But I,
0: You know, but. I, th- I think that they, I think, well, cigarettes I think actually cool you, they'll, they'll cool you off.
1: Well, I'm fucking cold. I don't want no cigarettes
0: in. Because um, I don't smoke, but from what I've heard from guys that do smoke, uh, it warms your core up. When your core gets warm, your body tells, your mind tells your body that it's warm, so it stops sending blood out to the extremities. So you actually get colder well, in the long run. Let's
1: ask an expert who used to smoke about three packs a day.
0: Dad, was a cigarette smoking warmer for you in the winter? It warmed your chest up. Your your mic's not. Your hang mic's on, not your not mic's not. Hang on, hang on.
1: We weren't expecting to bring Dad in on the show. He was just a third leg here, coffee getter. Well he can't do it anyway, because
0: we're on a different program. I'm so Sorry, did, Ron. did I just talk loud and tell you that, but you're breathing warm air in. That's the only thing. Yes, it brings well, brings warm air in. It feels, yeah. Well, same as cigarette smoking. It it warms your chest, but in the long run, your brain is telling your body, hey, we're warm now, so just chill out. Chill out on the – but, no, uh, eating, I've heard, will warm you up because digestion creates heat. Well, I'm
1: promising some bitches were hungry, and them sandwiches were good. Sandwiches, whiskey, dry matches, and cigarettes. Then – they didn't have radios and shit back then. I guess the airplane damn sure didn't have a radio. He would circle – Around the people where they were at until that tugboat would see them and they could get a, a fix on where he was, and then they would come over there. And that guy flew till 10 p.m. that night. Now, you know they didn't have no damn lighted runways and shit. Right. And then he was out again Hanging at that dawn. Sugar, Jeff, and a spoon, please. I just,
0: I just need a little, little toot of it. He was at dawn the
1: next day doing the same thing. <clears throat> and then they, they, they shot many mason decoys.
0: Just to keep warm?
1: Yep. In that island I was talking about, there were seventeen guys, and they were shooting branches off them trees so they could
0: have something to burn. You know, I take for granted. You know, I'm the way that we hunt. I can make it to the truck, um, but I'm not prepared for any of that shit. If that were to happen today, now if I was going out on the Mississippi, that might be a different story. But you know, the way that we hunt, I don't. I don't carry matches or lighters or anything.
1: Well, no, because we're it's different. We're not out in the wilderness. No,
0: but that's what I'm saying. Yeah, um, I've
1: many times went to a field when we've had fronts hit, or and it's anytime it gets <clears throat> down to ten to fifteen degrees, and we get a hard north wind, I, which I make the rounds every day. But I've checked lots of hunters, and I've taken many a guys back to the truck. Yes, and you've had many customers walk back to the field. Now, yes. this was what really sucks from the outfitter standpoint. It's cold and miserable. The hunt's over. Ain't nobody wants to help pick up shit.
0: Right for the yeah. They, no. they're they done
1: that's why the best thing you do in a hunt like that is not start don't let nobody go back to the truck till we pick up the decoys right. then we can go to the trucks because that first guy gets in the truck he ain't getting out again
0: well yeah most of the hunts that i do i'm the only one that goes and gets the truck and especially if it's like that i tell the guys listen it's uh it's wet let's not let's just bring my truck out we'll pick up the decoys and i'll haul everybody out that way because if it's snowing and stuff the last thing you want to do is get somebody stuck yes oh fuck i've had that happen before Matter of fact, no, it was, it was a different hunt, but it was a wet hunt and guys got stuck and that's just, it's just miserable. Um, Ron, your, your tactic, and I know you don't have a microphone, but um, you get a Folgers coffee can, correct? The old, one the old one pound Folgers coffee can. You put a roll of toilet paper in there, it. It down. take the cardboard thing. out of the toilet paper and squeeze it down. Clear down to the bottom. So it's like the roll. the Huh? It's just solid paper. It's not a hole in It's just solid paper. But do you turn it up like this, or like if it was like this, you. Just, squ- like, the can, round. just like the can and round, but you squeeze it all together. Squeeze it together. And then lighter fluid?
1: Rubbing alcohol.
0: Rubbing alcohol on the top of it. Let it soak down, or just the top of the deal, and it works like a wick. Let it soak down until it's at the. Let it soak all the way down, and then you just light the top. Light the top, and it'll make a blue flame about that. There'll be a blue flame about an inch. No smoke. No, so
1: Now, the problem with this advice for a lot of people is, a lot of these yoga-wearing dudes wearing today, ain't they can't squeeze a, a Charmin roll <laughs> down down like Dad can. Dad's, so, a, dad's now, got man hands. He can um, do it.
0: I know that there are probably better ways of doing it, but if you find yourself going out there, hunting season's here. Um you're not all you know you're you're we've got listeners all across the all across the country all across, all across the globe so be prepared okay even if you just need that coffee can of you know some shit wipes and rubbing alcohol and a lighter just be prepared don't get stuck in a situation today we're we're so much better off because weather has improved
1: the weather forecasting weather
0: forecast yeah yeah that's what i mean um predicting weather and i go on my phone every morning Every morning that I go and take this to the bank, write it down. Every morning, I look at hourly. I don't just look at the forecast. Because if they're telling me it's going to be a southwest wind switching to north, I want to know what time so that my decoys, I I know what to do with my decoys. If the wind's going to be switching at 7 o'clock, okay, that's pretty early in the hunt. So I want to make sure that I'm not going to have to move much. I'm still going to hunt that southwest wind. Okay? And this would be a perfect day to crosswind them if it's going to be going. But look at your hourly weather. Know what time wind's supposed to be switching. Um, If the wind's switching at 2 o'clock, it doesn't matter. Okay? So just set up for whatever wind you got. Wind's going to switch in the afternoon. Doesn't matter. But always, always, always look at the hourly. If it's going to be snowing, I want to know what time it's going to be snowing. That way I know what to bring out to the field. If it's going to be snowing at 1030, I'm going to have all my shit ready to go. If it's going to be snowing at 4 o'clock in the evening time, I'm not going to worry about it. We... But that that right back that that what we're talking about
1: now is exactly why this was such a tragic day. Is they, they were didn't unprepared. have they didn't have right. a clue. Now, how many times did something like this happen a hundred years before that, where there wasn't even no communication? A bunch of people time. died. That's right. Nobody knew nothing about it at all. All the time. But the grand passage happens. They say every year. I don't think it happens every year. No I've, way. I've I've seen the grand passage maybe two times. Uh, every year they say that that's what that one guy says in his deal it happens every year and it doesn't Mm. i've seen the grand passage what i thought was a true grand passage of migration two times in 27 years where you went to bed one day and you woke up the next morning and there was three or four hundred thousand geese here that night you know and so i don't it hasn't happened that often and that was one of those days that Mm -hmm. just a freak of nature of what happened and they had no clue it was going to get
0: has this grand passage happened since i've been around
1: the 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 two that I can remember. The first one I remember was 1983. A, well, that, I don't remember a grand passage in 83 because it was just fucking cold. Oh. But it didn't happen till Thanksgiving. I mean, that, we've had a lot of cold fronts at Thanksgiving. We we'll get like this. I saw us have one about 1993.
0: So you're basically your first year in business. One, yeah, it was – it
1: freaking hit. And, and it you was, didn't come
0: around us until 96. Right. And it, it, that so was I missed that one.
1: 93. And then one other year we had one, and I don't remember what it was, where we – I think it was the year that uh, your senior year in football – junior year in football when we had the goose. Tony called the goose and landed on the football field during pregame.
0: See, and I was chasing pussy at that time, so I don't remember that one either.
1: You were playing football. You were pregame.
0: It would happen that night that, was that, the Grand Pasch? We had
1: geese coming in all really? – that, during that football game, they yeah. buzzed the stadium, Canada geese. Yeah. And that would – it was – we was playing Monday. November. That it would have been, been right this
0: time of year. November 2nd. Earth. We always ended that first Friday in November.
1: That It was that night, and the geese poured over the stadium. The football game yeah. was a – it was a, like it was this morning, foggy, mm-hmm. misty, mm-hmm. cold. It was in the probably – it was cold. It was cold, 35, 40 degrees. Misting. And those geese poured over that stadium all night those lights. That was my – your that was my sophomore sophomore year, year. and uh, the so two thousand two. Yeah, and the geese poured over the stadium that night. We actually had a goose; they would Lame. buzz the stadium, and I had a. Zach, I think, had a coat and it had a goose call in it. Mm-hmm. And Tony started calling on a goose call. And there's a goose that was messed up. It had like a dislocated neck or something. I don't remember what was wrong with it, but its head was funny. Mm-hmm. But it circled and circled and circled, and it landed on the football field during pregame warmups. On the 50 yard line. Yep.
0: Now, a little bit of backstory on that. Monday, the, our arch rival, when I was in in high school, was Monday Texas. They're 12 miles from Knox City. Arch fucking rivals. Purple and gold. I'll never wear it. Because of Monday, Texas, they're the Monday Moguls, and um, they had a kid. They had brothers on that team. One was Worm, mm-hmm. and one was Duck. Those were their nicknames, Worm and Duck. And we're, they were studs. They were flat fucking running studs. So this is my sophomore year. I'm a starting quarterback, first year starting quarterback, you know, for for in high school, on varsity, and um. Yeah, all of a sudden, we're in pregame warmup. They're across the field doing the same, and um, Tony gets on this goose call. And like Jeff was saying, you could see them as they'd fly over through the the lights on the field. And this one, like circles, makes a pass, and then it makes a lower pass, and then it kind of cups its wings, and Tony's just working this goose call. And that son of a bitch, it landed on the 50-yard line in between us and the Monday moguls. And did it fly off? Or wh- wh- did Zach? Zach went
1: it? and picked it up. Zach and went and picked Matt it Reagan up. Matt Reagan hollered,
0: "Do not wring its neck!" Right. Yeah. <laughs> would ring
1: its neck for two thousand people.
0: So uh, Zach was. Uh, but everybody, everybody from Monday thought it was staged. It was. those a train. We th- thought we had a trained. Thought we had a trained goose because they had duck on there. You know that that just that just shows the intelligence of the people in Monday. They can't tell. A- <laughs> They can't tell a fucking duck from a goose. So that right there shows their intelligence. Uh, But, yeah, they thought that we had a trained duck and that we had it land on the 50-yard line.
1: Those little kids from Monday were scared to death of it, though.
0: Oh, yeah. The kids
1: from Knox City, because of us, were used to being around. A lot of the kids worked for us out here. Right. So they were around it. But, yeah, Zach was probably –
0: I, was, I would have been 16. Zach would have been 11.
1: 11. And he walked out to get that goose. I told Zach, I said, go get that goose off the field. Because I, I knew something was wrong with it. Yeah. And Matt Reagan did. Matt Holler. do not wring its neck, Zach. He said, God, you know what to say. Somebody's going to have that on mm-hmm. film if he does that. And they will raise hell about that. And he went over and picked it up. I think it ended up in the back of my pickup and brought here to the processor the next day.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But it was. Yeah, they did. They thought it was just. Uh, I had people from over there tell me, how would y'all,
0: oh, they how'd were y'all train that bird to they do were, that shit? Because it got nasty. Listen, Friday Night Lights is a real deal in Texas. And when, when, when it was Knox City and Monday, things got very, very chippy in town. And the whole when, – when Friday night was over, the week before we played Monday, the entire atmosphere in Knox City shifted. The minute that buzzer sounded and we had Monday up next, everything changed. The bus ride home, the week of practice, the week in the restaurants – we would do a pregame meal every Thursday night, and the nine games before Monday had a certain vibe to them. But when Monday week hit, that 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 pregame meal was it was totally different. It was very very somber, and everybody was about business. It was um, also for
1: playing for district championship. I most
0: think. of the time, uh, yeah, most of the time it was that was that game was going to decide who the district champ was. And for uh, the record, who won that game? We did twelve okay. to nine.
1: Did you, did you did you kneel the ball on the one inch line when in to score?
0: <laughs> Jeff was saying how nasty it was. that field was just, that field was fucked. and we're on the one inch line and coach calls quarterback sneak and I take the snap and I slip as I'm going in. and in high school, your knee touches the ground games uh, you're, you're down, no matter if anybody touches you or not. And I take the snap and I go to push and my legs just give out and they, they slip underneath me and I kneel it on the one. I was not happy. But, uh, fr- yeah, Friday Night Lights in Texas—that is a true, uh, true depiction of how it really is. And things, things got nasty. But I remember one year we had a good—we had a we had a kid on our team. His name was Scooter. And what was the deal with the Energizer Bunny? I don't even know how that came about.
1: Because he kept going and going and going, or something. I, I don't remember. Scooter's
0: dad ran the Knox County News. Right. Monday is in Knox County, so in a sense. Yep, they had their own paper. They had their own paper, but it's still the Knox County News. So, um, Scooter's dad ran the newspaper, where Scooter would have a four-page write-up every week on him. Scooter was a good
1: football player. Scooter
0: was a very good football player, uh, fullback and and middle linebacker. He would he'd bruise you. And I think the headline in the Knox County News was uh, Scooter had a good game, and Scooter was like the Energizer Bunny. He just kept going and going and going. I think was that, the headline in the newspaper they got in all into that and they got pissed off they uh and scooter scooter was Cocky. scooter was all about scooter, yeah, he would let you know how good he was, and my freshman year it was my freshman year scooter was a senior, no, yes, my eighth grade year was when all that happened yeah, but it was your,
1: yes you're right, so my
0: eighth grade year, I was keeping stats for varsity football scooter would be would have been a junior we played in Monday. And they had Energizer. They bought Wichita Falls out of Energizer Bunnies, and they hung them from the from the from the fence all around uh, Monday, all around Monday's football stadium. Hung these Energizer Bunnies in little nooses all around the all around the football field, and especially right around the tunnel where we would come out at. Um. So yeah that that's that's just a little bit of back a little bit of fun history. About the Knox City and Monday rivalry, what what days they were. But anyway, back to back to all this Armistice Day. So that was a grand passage in two thousand and two. You're saying I believe so, probably, it, probably so for the, November second and having that many Canada geese. I'd say yeah, so. There
1: were lots of them. In fact, that's back when we had some winter. Now it's looking like we're going to have winter. I talked to Luke Musgrove in Great Bend.
0: He was on the podcast?
1: Yep. He had, they had snow on the ground today. Big Blake called me last night, but he say? they had six inches of snow.
0: They had snow. He said he was doing a pheasant hunt yesterday, which would have been uh, November 7th, and he said the geese were just flying over Nebraska, and they weren't even batting a wing, and they were just cruising, not even acting like they were going to stop. So – I uh, read the migration report today. Tom Skinner, uh, he lives in Pierre, South Dakota. He said little geese are showing up by the thousands. So,
1: how old is Tom? You think? I don't
0: know. Tom, I is, see him on the migration report all the time. Tom
1: Facebook. has been—I don't know Tom personally. I've never talked to him that I know of. Mm-hmm. But Tom's name is synonymous with Pierre, South Dakota, and really? waterfowl stuff. Next time we get up there, I'd like to—I'd like to visit. I bet Just he'd be meet an him. interesting guy to talk meet to us but, for coffee. But yeah,
0: so so. Uh, the, the the Canadas are flying over Blake and Nebraska And they're still piling into Pierre, South Dakota So they're on the move
1: Didn't someone tell you that North Dakota They thought they'd be locked up this weekend?
0: Yes Um, I am a member of a Snapchat group And one of the guys Sent a Snapchat And he was going to go duck hunting Pulled up to the pond that he had scouted The night before and it's frozen and he said, this was not what I expected to wake up to today. So he said he figures that North Dakota will be done this weekend. I had a message. But we'll see. You know, it could warm up. I don't know. It could warm up. The snow is what's so important. And the snow is what we have been lacking in the last couple of years. Because ducks and geese will, will as long as they got water and food, they can make cold weather. Okay, they're built for that. Um, but when that snow covers up that food – that's when you see big big migration. So, even though it might get cold and the some of the water might lock up, they'll number one, they'll figure out a way to keep it open. Okay, because their life depends on it. So, they can keep water open and they can survive the cold. So, if you do not have that 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 snow, which we've got now. Uh you know that 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 the snow is the critical thing in my mind. I
1: had a guy, George Scott, from Wichita, Kansas, messaged me, and this was on, this was yesterday, and he said, he was outside of Wichita, Kansas, we had only a few local geese and a few specks yesterday, now this would have been the day before, so this would have been on Wednesday, and he said, we had, or on Tuesday, they only had local geese and a few specks, they have wave after wave of Canadians, they did a hunt, and they saw some, they shot some lessers, But he said – and he was telling me that they picked up 10 dozen full bodies and they got 20 dozen dive bombs and they're going to have to walk into fields because it's wet. And he said, I don't want my – he said, my fat ass doesn't want to have to pack everything in. Dive bombs are the way to go. Those dive bombs are going to be crucial. So
0: that guy that messaged me yesterday, look at this testimony. (laughs) God damn.
1: But he is another one just like me that doesn't want to have to carry in a bunch of freaking
0: full bodies and the dive bombs are the way to go. Yeah. Um. And another thing, if you show up and your your hole is frozen, I'm going to tell you how to bust ice first. So make a big, big loop, okay, and open this up. And then what you want to do is you want to shove that, you want to basically shove the ice that you've broken, you want to shove it under the other ice, okay? If you just break it up and chop it up and walk through there, yeah, you'll have a little bit of open hole, but your ice is still going to be in there, okay? Um, when ducks keep a hole open, it's open. So uh, walk a big circle, however big you want your little hole to be. And then what I always do is I'll cut I'll cut that hole that I've made into force. And then I'll shove that ice under the the, the rest of the pond that's frozen. That way the whole pocket that you've done is open. And also, be careful with your dogs on ice. It happens all the time. Dog goes to get a bird and can't. The ice is just, what is going on with your microphone? Is your beard rubbing up against it? My beard ain't even nowhere near it. Well, I'm hearing something. That? Yeah, that. That's my finger. Well, quit doing it. Um. The ice is just thick enough to where the dog can kind of get up on it, but then it busts through that is no good okay so be careful with your dog on ice it'll cut them it's, it's just nasty so just be mindful of your four-legged critter okay yeah. he does a lot for you saves you lots of steps throughout the year get your wife pissed off at you during the off season so take care of this guy a lot of guys drown. yeah a lot of guys drown saving their dogs. so just be mindful all right just what, what could you could you tie a rope around him, ron or would that cause a bigger hazard yeah. If it's not, Ron said, if it's not thick, 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 don't even let your dog out. How are you going to get your bird? Don't shoot them, don't shoot them unless they're <laughs> in the kill hole, right in the water. I mean, that's, that's dangerous. It's dangerous. It's not worth a bird, okay? So just, I don't know what to tell you here. You can't, you can't go get it, so don't shoot it, I guess.
1: It's kind of like, it's like dove hunting where there's a rattlesnake at. Uh-huh. Make sure you shoot that dove on that where it lands on that road right there where you mm-hmm. don't have to go get no damn grass. Right, yeah.
0: If you're going to shoot ducks, make your hole big enough to where they fall in the water. Now I understand things are going to happen but just be careful out there. It it's looking like it's going to be a it's cold right now for sure all up and down the Midwest and and the plains. So just be plain. Just be careful. Don't send your dog across ice to water. Ron said the key is to send your dog through water to ice. leave the bank in water, don't He said if you if they if those dogs cannot leave the bank in water, don't send them. What does that do, Ron? I wish you're oh, they on the other side of the ice and they can't get up on it. Oh, okay. He says if 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 the dog goes from ice to water, you're never gonna get to your dog because you'll fall through the water uh, you'll fall through the ice. So
1: You talking about the weather? Yeah. Right now, Minot, North Dakota is fourteen degrees. It's, 14 gonna, be, degrees. it's gonna be one tonight. Woo! High tomorrow is seventeen. High twenty one on uh, sunday monday's 16 degrees tuesday is 32 degrees
0: and they've already got snow yes
1: yes and it's supposed to snow more supposed to have good snow again on uh but anyways that's the deal is it's it's already cold up north it's going to be a push this is the year that maybe we're going to have a normal winter because this is it's before thanksgiving and the dakotas are freezing up and snowing and that hasn't happened very often not 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 in a long time and that is that is good news for everybody down south, uh, and I'm sure that's good for the guys in the upper Midwest also. They've wanted some weather to push their birds down too. Right now, it may be going to be bypass some of them, but it's been a really good year. Uh, that's really all the tips I have on armistice day. I just wanted to talk about just what a horrible day it is, and let everybody be aware of that. That you know, it's you no. need to with what cold weather coming yeah you know today's world's a lot different than it was back then we're just
0: we just we can prepare for we know what's coming
1: yes but the the reminiscing about the old days i love the old days yeah i wish i wish more people would respect and i wish the young kids got as much enjoyment out of the past as i did as a kid talking about the past whether it's a, a book a movie i like to read and i love reading old stuff but they paved the way for us on a lot of things and you know the people that started Ducks Unlimited, and I'm not a big Ducks Unlimited fan now at all, but what they did with Ducks Unlimited is the reason we have a business and can hunt today. Yeah. Hunters Sorry. are the hunters are the greatest conservationists in the world.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. We put our money where our mouth is to ensure that every year we're gonna have a successful harvest.
1: And I, I read something the other day and I wish I would have damn photo uh, saved it on my Son computer a about the ice eater. People wanting to ban ice eaters mm-hmm. because they say it's an unfair advantage, it's worse than baiting. So let me get this straight. If, if a pond is kept open and there's 2,500 mallards that use it and they shoot 20 mallards, that's bad. I, don't, I just don't get that. I mean, 2,500 mallards had open water for a day or two or three. And if you killed 100 of them over a two or three-day span, you still are doing more good than you are harm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: In my book on that deal. Hmm. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I'd probably agree birds with you. Need water. I yep. mean, yeah, birds need water, so They're creating a good source. Uh, yeah, but I think what they're saying there is you're 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 creating an unfair advantage to your place.
1: Of course you are. What's the difference between that and planting corn and then just flooding it and not harvesting it?
0: Nothing in my mind.
1: I mean it's the same thing. Right. Or baling a milo field. Right. Or whatever you do, but you're still feeding I a mean, ton of listen. birds
0: waterfowl hunters we're going to continue to push the envelope and you want to give yourself the best advantage that you have and if there's an advantage in keeping water open then that's fine i don't i don't know
1: the only thing that i do not like about any of this stuff that has happened is we've changed mother nature in a lot of ways they've changed the flight patterns the migrations everything and that's life because it's if you look at it in the big picture things change now the poor guys on the east coast are going to be I mean, hell, they're getting down to their season's gonna be gutted down to nothing, mm-hmm. and because of the resources, or something's wrong. Now, I don't know much about the East Coast. We've had a lot of guys from the East Coast, Sean Mann, and we've talked to Jeff Coates. Are they overpopulating all the areas where the birds are? Does that come into fa- a factor? I mean, what is going on there?
0: Where they roost, or where they just nest? the whole
1: thing? I mean, the East Coast is overpopulated. Look at it, probably half the population of the United States. Lives oh, you're in probably saying about with, a,
0: you're saying with people, people. Mm-hmm.
1: And said something about the hurricane. I, I heard him the other day talk about the hurricane, and said that
0: uh, yeah, but that's not where birds are making. No,
1: their- no, no, no. I know that, but in the Chesapeake Bay, it it ruined their uh, oyster beds. Oh, right. And it and it cha- Things do happen that way too. But how much have we overpopulated there? At Katy, Texas. There's no. I saw a picture the other day, and it was an old Larry Gore photo, and it was a water tower in Katy. Had two or three thousand snow geese landed on a field before it. Mm-hmm. There there are no geese there no more. they because it's all housing developments. Mm-hmm. So
0: we're coming to a crossroads for sure.
1: Yeah, and the Midwest is the least populated. <laughs> right. I mean, just like the election the other day, everything's red in the middle. Yeah. We right. live in the greatest place in the country. You go from here to the North Dakota border, and if you want to take if if anybody out there is wanting to say, you know, my kid's in trouble. I'm sick of bullying, I'm sick of this, I'm sick of that, whatever the hell you're sick of. You want to get your kid out of that situation, take your pay cut and move somewhere in the Midwest. Because you're going to probably have to take a pay cut. The cost sure. of living is going to be a lot cheaper. Right. But the place to raise your kid where they can go to church and know their neighbors, you don't have to lock your doors and stuff, is still that is still here in this country. But it's middle America. All those corn balls in the middle that cling to Bibles and guns, it's a place to raise your children.
0: See, but I, I have a problem with the bullying. Well,
1: oh, I don't like bullying. But, no, I'm just saying But that. Uh, most kids today are soft.
0: Right. You hit that fucker in the nuts one time, he's going to leave you. Alone. He but might kick your ass. He might kick your ass one good time, he won't but fuck he's with not going to fuck again. with you no. too much more. If he knows that he's going to get a nut kicking every time he comes around you, and you might, you might have spent spend a little bit of time in AEP. Might have to, which that's a, te- I don't know if other, in school suspension basically is what it is. Um they're not gonna fuck with you too much.
1: That's why people didn't do shit like that because they get a bloody nose. Can right. you, imagine, you might
0: kick my ass, but you're gonna take home a, a shiner.
1: What would have happened yesterday in that press conference when that guy kind of pushed at that girl trying to push that deal away if Donald Trump would come down and slap the fuck out of old Jim Acosta? Uh, I wish he would have. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be funny oh, as shit. But what would what the media would go nuts over that. Right. That's not being presidential. No, it's called being a man. Yeah. Because if I saw a man jostling a woman, and you did in public, I would say something to him.
0: Right. And I know you would. But that I think that's why Trump has such a hard time, is because we don't have real men anymore. No. They're, the, the ones listening to podcasts are real men, the, but there's the, not a lot of them left. The reason that he has a tough time talking to 20-year-olds, I saw um, uh, there's a guy out there named Dan Pena, and he puts on classes. Lives in Scotland, super rich guy. But he does a questionnaire for all these people that are going to take I might have told this story, I don't know. He does a questionnaire for all the people that are about to take his seminar. And question number one is, if you saw somebody hitting your wife or your mother, what would you do? If I saw somebody touching my mom? And he said 70% of the answers are, I would try to ascertain what kind of day he was having to make him act the way that he's acting.
1: I would stick my foot in his ascertain is what I'd fucking do.
0: That's 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 where we're at today. So when Trump Trump's a fucking alpha. We talked about this yesterday at breakfast. He's an alpha fucking male, super high performance guy, does not take no for an answer, gonna have his way. That's the kind of guy Trump is. So he talks to he, he these 20 year olds see him talk in this in this tone of just, I know what the fuck I'm doing. You're gonna do it my way. And they they don't know they don't their their people weren't like that. That's not how they were raised. So that's why he has such a hard time with the youth from today is because they don't know any fucking real men.
1: You know, I'm going to tell you a story about my mom, and it pissed me off. The other day my mom calls me, and she tells me that she was having trouble with Target on a credit card charge. Now my mom is seventy five 74, 74 years old, and I told her, "I said, what do you mean you're having trouble with the credit card charge?" I said, "Do you need me to call call them?" She goes, "No, no, no, Jeff. Now, now she's not a real big fan of me and Tony and my dad and the way we act on some things because she's not a aggressive vocal. She's a little Italian lady. And she's she's a kind sweet, of quite, sweet lady. She's a very sweet lady. So, me and Tony's, especially me, she really does not appreciate all of my. My boldness sometimes, I'll use the word for it. And I said, Mom, I don't mind. I'll call them. I said, What happened? Did they charge some stuff you did? No, Jeff. She goes, Now, nah, I just want you to listen to me. Just listen to my whole story before you say
0: anything. Don't interrupt.
1: I said, Yes, ma'am. So she tells me that my stepfather is, is really sick. He's 80 something years old. He's, he's sick. He's in he's going to be in the nurse. He, he's got leukemia. He's just a bad deal. So anyway, she was telling me about that, that she had a call from the IRS and that my stepdad's name is Benton. Benton owed him almost $6,000 and they were going to come arrest him that day. I go, mom, do you owe anything to the IRS? She goes, no, not at all. I said, did they send you a letter? No. I go, why would Benton, he's been retired for 30 years, owe any freaking IRS for a bunch of weeks. She goes, hey, Jeff, just listen to me. So she goes, so they told me to go down to target and get three, $2,000 gift cards.
0: <laughs> I'm out. Like, the IRS is taking I target go, gift cards now.
1: I go, this is where I've not become very <laughs> son, uh, or like a good son. This is I'm where like, you quit listening I go, and started talking. I go, what the fuck are you talking about, Mom? Jeff, just, just listen to me. So she tells me it again. I said, seriously, Mom? You think the fucking IRS is taking Target cards? Mm-hmm. Now, Jeff, I don't want you to think I'm gullible. Well, fuck no. You went and got dang $6,000 worth of Target cards to pay the IRS. Well, this guy threatened me boy i lost it shit right there Mm -hmm. i go let me tell you something mom i said if anybody ever fucking threatens you you call me or tony and let us fucking handle this shit i mean i went pissed off now watch your language i said Mm -hmm. no i'm fucking serious mom there is no reason why anybody should be threatening you i go why would you let a guy threaten you you know damn well to
0: call us Mm -hmm. well uh, jeff i was i was just scared and he told me not to say nothing to benton so i didn't tell him did he have like information like because what i've heard is like they'll get like bits of information. Oh yeah,
1: my mom gave it to them. Every information they needed. Right. Now, d- now your husband's social security card. Let us look it up. Oh, hold on, it's four four. You know whatever right. she tells it to him and shit. Yeah. I mean, she gives him the whole every fucking thing that is. Now his work address when he re- 4 he retired. Oh, and
0: she tells him that. Right. So if so they g- do these leading questions. Oh, and she
1: fed him information like a freaking parrot. I mean, she gave him everything they wanted to know. So. Obviously, her family was not in the mafia. This, from, this in the old no uh, Italy. No, we're, we're not. We're not a non-family. <laughs> she, in Our family.
0: She, she's she's squealing like a like you know. She's singing like a canary.
1: So, and this is what helped her, the lady at Target while processing her third two thousand dollar Target gift card on well, her, you her credit really card. really love your grandkids. She says, "Ma'am," she goes, "I don't mean to to get in your business or nothing," but she goes. I want you to know that right now there's a scam where the people are calling and saying they're the IRS and they're wanting you to get target gift, gift cards. cards. My mom says she's about starts crying. She goes, Well, I don't know what to do. They're gonna they're gonna throw my husband in jail. He's eighty six years old, he's got leukemia, he's gonna fix call hospice in and blah, 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 this and 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 that lady goes, ma'am, she goes, I, this doesn't sound, do you owe the IRS money? No, we don't, we've we never had a problem, we don't owe them anything, and you know, we, we do our taxes every year, blah, 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 my sons are the ones that are probably going to be in trouble <laughs> with the IRS, not us, and you know, she goes, this whole deal. Well then, the phone rings, and it's this guy from fucking India, or mm-hmm. wherever the fuck he's from, and he threatens her again, mm-hmm. and the lady had called the manager up there to tell the deal, and the manager talks to the guy from Target, and the guy hangs up on him, mm-hmm. well then they have to credit my mom back her visa for these Target cards, mm-hmm. Well, one of the target cards they still owe two thousand. They didn't credit all three of them. And that's what the whole debate was about. If I would, she would never even. If you told wouldn't me have called her at that that exact time, moment, I would have never known. You would have never known. I was mad, but, but she did. She tells me this. She goes, "I don't want you to think I'm gullible." Oh, gullible is not the mm-hmm. word. I'm thinking fucking loony as shit. Why would you give? Mm-hmm. And then Michelle's like, "Jeff, don't say that." She's old. Well, fuck, I don't. So, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, do not give the IRS target card. Do not give anybody. But don't pay tar- the IRS through Target. The
0: target does not, or the IRS does not. Take payment and Target Cards. And they don't
1: call you. They send you a they certified a letter. Certified
0: letter. So I got a call last tax season. I didn't answer it because I screened my calls. Uh, I don't know bills or nothing, but like we get telemarketers calling us from 256 number, which is our, our, local our, our prefix. And if I don't have you in my phone contact, I don't answer. Because 98% of the time, it's a telemarketer. So... Uh, if you're trying to get a hold of me, I ain't got your number, leave a message and I will get back to you that way. And then I'll put you in my phone. So I got you. But anyway, leaves a message and uh, we're driving down the road, my wife and I and dings. So I play it and same deal. This is such and such with the IRS, blah, blah, blah. You owe back taxes in order to uh, avoid being penalized, possibly put in jail. Please contact us. Da, 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 da. And I, I, fucking, I just, I knew that they had to send you a certified letter. They weren't just going to call you out of the blue saying that you owe $58,000 in back taxes, so I didn't even fuck with it.
1: No, that's the way they do it, but as judge in town, people all think I have a Harvard law degree, (laughs) and I get questions all the time about shit, you know. My cousin Chico in California, he murdered three people. What do you think they should do? He's fucked. I mean, it's shit like that. I mean, so seriously, that's kind of stuff. I, I get lots of stuff like that, and I'm like, listen, I'm an appointed small town judge. This is... Way over my pay grade. But I had a lady in town call me and she's like, I have a question, but I don't want no one to know this. I mm-hmm. said, Okay. She goes, The Internal Revenue Service called me and said they're going to put me in jail if I don't pay them $2,350 or something. Mm-hmm. I said, Well, do you owe them some money? I said, They send you a letter? No, they called me. I said, That's probably a scam. I'm telling you, it's going to be a scam. I don't want to tell someone that, then the motherfuckers go to jail by the right. No, you were supposed to send me
0: a letter, <laughs> motherfucker.
1: I said, I said, they should be sending you a letter. I said, did they did you send a letter? No, they called me up and they told me that I owed them some money. If I didn't send them some money, they were going to put me in jail. And they asked, they told me they needed $2,500 and they could take credit card. And she goes, I told them I only had about $2,350 on my credit card. And they said, well, we'll take that and we'll just do that as a deal. We'll settle out well, of court. No, I said, don't give them any freaking money. I said, you'll never get that money back. I right. said, is what's going to happen. And so she's like, well, I, I didn't know what to do, and I wanted to call you. Are you sure? I said, do you owe them some money? No, we don't. I said, then no. It's a scam. Mm-hmm. They pre- I wonder how many calls like that they make before they hit on somebody like my mom that's gullible.
0: They're just playing the percentages. They're yeah. probably in a call center somewhere and just making 100 calls a day, praying that one of them picks up. But I, did, I
1: told my mom, I said, so you actually got in your car, drove to Target, went and got three gift cards for $2,000. Now, I tell you what. I go to Target when I have to. When my wife goes, I go to Target. I'm not a Target fan. Target passes out tampons at the door. So if you see two guys walk around to Target together, they're probably dating. And I'm just not a Target fan. But I can't imagine getting a $2,000 Target gift card. Mm-mm. Can you? No. I can't imagine getting a $2,000 gift card at Best Buy.
0: Yeah. No. And about three now, of Ever them. since Trump t- took over the IRS, just been in trouble, and now they're having to take Target gift cards <laughs> <Yeah>. for payment. <laughs> But Probably I did, I couldn't,
1: I could, but my point was, was you talk about that guy threatening, that reminded me of that story. Right. You know, so yes, I wouldn't ask that guy how kind of bad day he's having. If I saw somebody doing that.
0: He'd beat the fuck out Yeah,
1: of it'd be down. I, I, but it's, it's the men in general. Most of mm-hmm. the men that listen to our podcast are manly men. Have a pair because, between their legs. Because they're hunters, they're outdoors guy. But you draw random guys off the street, they don't get involved with anything. They see something happening, they look around, they go the other way.
0: But I think that's why Trump has such a tough time connecting with these and you know i gotta say though i've seen some pictures of of the crowds at his number one his crowds are enormous and there are more younger younger uh younger kids and so but yeah your average typical snowflake just they do not get it they'll never get it um they just got they, got, they should have rolled down the inside of their mama's leg.
1: Yep. The conservative kids that grow up in conservative households are, are more apt to be leaning his way, and then the kids that grow up in liberal households are going to be more apt to go the other way. The problem is they're out breeding us on the other side. They have seven kids that are two kids because that's all we can afford to pay for, and yep. a lot of them, we're paying for their kids anyways. Yep. So, And that's just the way it's going to be. But you look at it, Juan Williams, who's the biggest twat in the world on The Five on Fox News, that guy right there... Is living proof of someone that would stand go the other way before he would stop and help someone.
0: I don't know. I don't know, but I don't want to attack I, his character. I'm going to. He's a pussy.
1: You don't know that. I for sit sure, there either. and listen to him talk all the time about shit. You he's, listen to him talk. He's an educated idiot.
0: You don't know how much of that is shtick and and everything else. I don't
1: think they can make anybody that nutless and pay him enough <sighs> money to act that way. I really don't. Bob Beckel, that used to be on there, was a liberal ass clown, but he'd say something. He was a dick. He was, but he would stand up and say something, I think. Juan Williams would look the other way. And Juan's kids are conservative, but Juan's an embarrassment. He really is to me.
0: See, I just, I think he is, he's the, he's the, he's the Democrat on that panel. So he's got to go with whatever they say and he's got to plead that case. I don't
1: think he'd stand up for anybody. And I think a lot of people. I'm not going to attack
0: his character because I don't know. He might be just a badass that just. Chops this guy in the neck, and
1: well, the chances of him coming to whip my ass are about as much as George Strait's coming to whip yours. So, but I, but I just don't think you could you could pour him into a fight. Bob Beckel, on the other hand, who used to be on the show, he was an asshole, but I think he would stand up for someone.
0: Probably been in a bar fight or two,
1: or seven or eight, because he drank a lot. He's a big doper, but and that's why he gets in trouble all the time. But but he speaks his mind. I respect someone that speaks their mind and will stand up for themselves, even if they're wrong, a lot more than I do someone that's a pussy.
0: Well, Juan speaks his mind
1: he wouldn't stand up and do shit.
0: You don't know. You're just speculating now. This is how this is how you get in trouble, Jeff.
1: I don't get in trouble. I mean, if I do, if I saw him and he, he's different and he come up and said, hey, I'd say, oh, I apologize. You got bigger balls than I thought you did. I but heard I you
0: on the big, big Honker podcast, yeah. you
1: dick. I wish he would listen to us. <laughs> Juan, if you're listening to us, call me up and I'll apologize on air to you.
0: Why are you going to apologize?
1: Because he's, he's got more balls than oh, I thought he Oh, oh he just did.
0: saying that, that if he called you,
1: yeah. There's some uh, Dana Perino's a hottie that's on there. Woof. Yeah, for 50 years old, she's smoking hot. Mm-hmm. Anyways, we've went on done another rabbit hole.
0: Yep. Anyways, we went from Armistice w- Day and what a tragedy it is to kick him poor Juan Williams's ass. Well, I wouldn't
1: kick his ass. I just don't think he's. I just think oh. he's nutless.
0: To defaming Juan Williams.
1: Well, he's pretty famous Arthur. Yeah. So,
0: um, incredible day in waterfowl history.
1: Very yeah. sad, sad day. I mean, that was a bad time in America. And a lot of You know, there was so much other stuff going on in the world that I have no idea why my dad's putting pepper in his coffee right now. Oh, never mind. Oh, he's eating beans again. Oh, that's what he needs to be having.
0: Um, Yeah, incredible, incredible story. If you're going out, bad weather, check the weather, check the hourly, be prepared. We'll never
1: have another day like that in history.
0: Not with technology today. No. And And the way that gear is. Number nice. one, you'd be screwed if you try to burn these plastic decoys. No oh, shit, <laughs> you'd be in big trouble. <laughs> be burnt, build, burning oh, your blind. You'll get a, you'll get uh, mesothelioma if uh, if you burn them or something. You, you imagine something from the plastic
1: guys shooting the trees. You think there would be a tree big enough if you just knock down or some you shit? Think? I mean, mm-hmm. you know it was cold and desperate in times so like. Winds blowing fifty. You can't get a fire going anyways. Yeah. Oh shit! What a miserable day. Bad day. Mm. All right. Well. Uh, Let's talk about. We got a couple of new sponsors. Yep. Let's talk about. Let's talk about Lucky Duck. Lucky Duck spinners, folks. Lucky Duck has got the best system for a spinning decoy there is. They got them on a remote control. They got them waterproof. Andy dropped one in the water last year, so we know.
0: And, and not not a water not not a no, not a waterproof, not a waterproof one.
1: one. But they don't when they get wet like that. Some of them don't work. They have a waterproof one. They come in a bag.
0: You can get the bag. the wa- The waterproof ones come with a bag,
1: and that's very important.
0: I am, um, I'm, I'm in an organization mode right now, and uh, just shoving things away is not. It's not good for my psyche right now, and being organized, especially when um, you hunt the way that we do mostly out of, you know, all the way, all always out of a trailer. Being able to walk into a trailer and seeing what you need is so important to me. What does that sound? What did that sound like to you? Uh, something that I don't want to hear. Anyway, being able to put put these spinners in bags and store them. Oh, geese. He's on Instagram. He, uh, I must be boring him, so I can't imagine. That's right north boring. of here, and it's all
1: Canada's. Oh,
0: good. Being organized, important. The spinners comes with bags. You can put everything in them from the stakes to the wings, everything. Put them in your trailer, and it's so lovely. So, yeah, if you're going to go get Lucky Ducks, get the bags also. I can it just be organized. And
1: you can link three of them to remote control? you asking or telling? I'm telling you. You Good. can link them to remote control. You can start them. I mean, it's yeah. perfect for the goose hunting guy it's got sure. that throws a couple of spinners up. You don't have to put any duck decoys out. You can put some dive bomb mallards out if you want, but if you don't run any other duck decoys in your goose spread, you can throw you a couple spinning wings. We have shot thousands of mallards with without, just a spinner. That's right, with just a spinner. And we used to have to put it right next to the guides and flip it off and flip it on. This here, you can put them where you want them to, turn them on, turn them off. It won't mess with the geese. they come right in. Tell them about our newest sponsor.
0: Athlon Optics.
1: An, a, a, a cheaper version of Swarovski binoculars, basically. Mm-hmm. The technology has gotten so much better. For $300 to $500, you can get a $2,000 set of binoculars nowadays, folks. Amazing. Clear, precise, made out of the best the technology is just amazing. I don't think binoculars will get much better in the future than oh, are oh, right don't now. say
0: that. That's like saying when when they when TVs had that big ass bubble on the front that they're not going to get any better. Now, I
1: don't I don't think that for the size. I don't think you're going to be able to make an eight by forty two or a ten by forty two much clearer and better than you are now because don't, don't of. will not say I'm a never
0: laser. I'm a never never guy. I never say never. The way that we are advancing as a society, never never say never.
1: So our Philson church better than they were 100 years ago that's what I thought case closed anyways folks thank you for listening to Big Honker podcast I'm Jeff Stanfield if right. I've offended any of you that like Juan Williams you probably don't need <laughs> to be listening to us anyways um, if you know my mother if, if, she's they got, if they got
0: offended by the Juan Williams they they're not sticking around for your apology
1: no that's for damn sure anyway sorry about the mumbling on the first just gonna try to read a couple excerpts out of some books I have read on that there's a book called wings of the uh, wings of wind wind of wings it's about the Armistice Day Storm. You can get that on Amazon. Check them out. Gordon McQuarrie, Nash Buckingham books. I highly recommend them. If you got little kids, six, seven, eight years old, me and Reese are fixing to start reading when he gets a little older where he'll start really appreciating the duck and goose hunting. Me and him are going to start reading all the Nash Buckingham books. They're good books for kids to read. They're not a Winnie the Pooh book. It's a book about hunting and stuff. But I think a young man or lady, a little girl that's interested in hunting, We'll find a lot of a lot of interest in that, and it's talks about everything from the hunting cabin to the hunts and fishing and all the trips that made life grand back in the day. Uh, and I think if you you dig into that, you'll really like that. And and open them up for yourself if you haven't read any of them. I think you'll enjoy them. Got hunts this weekend. We'll have an update probably Saturday on the hunts from you know, Saturday
0: or Sunday. Do a little bonus episode for the weekend. If you're going out this weekend, be safe, have fun, shoot straight. Boom,